Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And, and this, this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. Hi, 50 Ishes. It's Mel and Trish. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and don't give a 50 like us. Shout out to one of our 50 ish tribe, Ali LD, who left I us a review. I saw that, then it looked like Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Allie, LD, that was very inappropriate of me to make fun of your... Maybe that's why she writes it like maybe, that, Trish, maybe. So she wrote, Sorry. these two women are my new gurus. So much fun laughter and wisdom to boot, I'm Oh, hooked. my gosh, so that, Allie. that comment got me thinking, Trish, because I'm wondering what pearl of wisdom or perhaps pearls there could potentially have been more than one um, I've broadcast that resonated with Allie. So, Allie, send us an email. And I've been wearing a lot of pearls lately. That's, I feel like that's... That's the only pearls of wisdom I have. I know. But maybe every now and then oh, yes. we say something. Yes. Trish? We do. We okay. do. Wise. We say something wise yes. every now and Give then. Give some advice that we're potentially not using ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trish, we know midlife is a time when we face many it transitions. It is a time, Melinda. It is a time. It is a time in our oh, life. Oh, what a time it is. <laughs> when we... We haven't got very far into the episode. We're already laughing. but so funny. It's a time of transitions. It is. We know that. But it's also a time when relationships can transition. So maybe you've had your head down, bum up, raising kids, and you pop up the other side and realise that you don't actually have much in common with your partner. Or perhaps you've been super busy running a business together, for example, or like really, really focused on your careers. You don't have kids. And and the relationship runs out of steam. Grow in different directions. Exactly. Yeah. So whatever the reasons, it happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, there is the saying that, that, but also mm. before you go down this track, I think you need to think about it because they say that the grass can be greener on the yeah, other side. Not always. Sometimes it just needs a little bit of water or a little bit of fertiliser. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just tread carefully on the grass before. Even though fertiliser <laughs> smells. We kill it. <laughs> All right, enough, enough. This is a serious topic. 
And you and I, and it's serious because you and I both know women, we've got girlfriends who face this unenviable situation. And my observations, oh God, Trisha, yes. are that it's much easier for some than others. And while I know it depends a lot on circumstances, Absolutely. I can't help but feel that there are other factors that play into how well we fare as women during this process. You know, it's not just the circumstances. And the process we're talking about is? Mm, well, we'll get to that in two secs. Oh, because... <laughs> it's taking while it's all... <laughs> All right, all right, let's do it. We're talking about separation and divorce. Yes. Now, this topic was and I suggested. I don't know why I'm laughing because it is such a serious and such a sad topic. Yeah, no, it is. It is, absolutely. And we've got an awesome guest who is going to be chatting to us on the phone. It's a topic that was suggested by one of our 50ish tribe, Trish, another Trish. And we thank you, Trish, because. Yeah, good, it's okay. Super relevant. Take a breath. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't my suggestion. Exactly. <laughs> no need for panic at this point in time. But it's super relevant to our age group. Absolutely. So we reached out to lawyer Pippa Coleman from Pippa Coleman and Associates Law Practice to get the lowdown on the do's and don'ts of separation. So Pippa started her legal career at 17 and started her firm, Pippa Coleman and Associates, in March 2001. So in addition to being a lawyer, Pippa is a qualified mediator and arbitrator and is actually engaged by other lawyers to act in this capacity. So in other words, she's brilliantly qualified, super capable, and we're so damn lucky to have her to ourselves for the next hour, Trish. Hello and welcome to Don't Give a 50, awesome Pippa Coleman. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you. Hi, Pippa. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We have got uh, lots and lots of questions for you today, Pippa, because we feel like this is such a relatable topic for our 50-ish tribe, the do's and don'ts of separation. Yes, great. Firstly, though, Pippa, um, for our 50-ish tribe out there, we'd love to give you, we would love for you to give us, I should say, a highlight reel of your life today, why you've chosen your profession. Did you, (laughs) when you were little, did you always want to grow up and be a lawyer? (laughs) No, 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 no. It was was my father's idea and I was a a very obedient child and when he told me that I was going to uh, work with the local solicitor in Caloundra, I just said yes. I actually wanted to be a doctor, but I never told anyone. I think by the time I was in my mid-30s, I was happy being a lawyer. And I, I've been a lawyer now for 43 years, and I've been an accredited family law specialist for 25 years. I've always practiced on the Sunshine Coast, and I think it's the best place in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that family law is the most important law that there is because if you can help a family get through the crisis of separation, Mm. you help not only them but their family, their employer, their kids, and you help society as a whole. Yes, that's such a beautiful holistic way of looking at it because I guess, you know, so many people say that when it boils down our relationships on this journey through life are the most important things. So, you know, even if they are going off track, it's important to deal with them very conscientiously. So the, the less fallout possible. It is possible to get through a separation without bloodletting without <laughs> having to sell yeah. the home to, to fund the litigation. If, if people will actually listen to advice and try out different ideas, they can often reach a solution. And everyone says, I don't want to go to court. No one wants to go to court. And, and the fact is that I reckon if a thousand couples separate, it's only perhaps a hundred of them, 10%, would actually file an application in the court, and of that hundred, 
it's only about five to seven of them actually go to a trial. So most people can sort things out and with some good advice, they can do it quickly. We do want to touch on that very much, why some people seem to like manage this obviously very challenging and stressful situation better than others. And obviously there's a lot involved in that, like yeah. circumstances obviously play a, play a key part in it. But sorry to do this to you, Pippa, but I just wanted to back up slightly just to your decision to go into law. You were saying that you, you just didn't tell anybody that you actually wanted to do medicine, that it was your dad's idea to do law. So I've got two yeah. questions for you. So do you think that that was sort of like our more compliant generation, like we were quite, I know not not everyone was obedient to their parents' wishes, but do you think that's sort of a reflection of our generation? And also, why did you not tell anyone that you wanted to do medicine? I really don't know why I didn't tell anyone. I just didn't think of it, I suppose, because I, I think I was in grade 11, so I was still at school when Dad lined up this job, and I just won a Commonwealth scholarship in grade 10. Mm. And Dad would tell anyone who listened how clever <laughs> I was. That's but gorgeous. but he he thought, and we're going back nearly fifty years. He thought the best that I could do was to be a top flight secretary. So oh, when bless his heart, <laughs> when when Dad heard that the local solicitor would take me on, I mean there was just no question about it. This right. was the opportunity of a lifetime, and it also meant that I didn't have to leave home. I could work in Caloundra, I could study remotely and it it just seemed to be such Ideal. a good opportunity that I couldn't pass it up. Okay, yeah, so it was less about compliance and stuff like that and, yeah. and really just you identifying that, yeah, you agreed it was a good opportunity. Yeah, I think yeah. At, that, at that time too when you got a, a steady good job mm. in an office like that and especially for not necessarily our generation but for Pippa's dad's generation like yeah. that – that was something that you well that informs their thinking of yeah you know like that informs their thinking so yeah yeah, 100 percent. and it worked out very well yes it clearly did it did and and just going back to those times they were the times when most kids left school at grade 10 to get a job yeah they were 15 correct they went to get a job so it was unusual for anyone to actually go on to senior Mm -hmm. and it was more unusual for girls to get into a profession. Yes. And when I was admitted in 1979, the day I was admitted, there were 33 solicitors admitted and there were three of them were women. So 10% of the profession then. Pippi, you're a trailblazer. I love love that. (laughs) (laughs) I am. But the other interesting thing is that between 2015, sorry, 1915, Mm. and when I was admitted in 1979, there had only been 120 women admitted as lawyers in Queensland. I was the 121st. And now there's tens of thousands of of women who've been admitted since then. That's an extraordinary statistic and a real reflection of where we were and and where we are now. Mm. Yes. Definitely. And um, I work in um, an office where there's probably 25 of us, three are men and 22 are women. And of our solicitors, um, I think we've got 12 solicitors, three men, nine women, and we've got three women partners at at the helm. So it's an unusual firm. I'm, I'm proud of that statistic. I think it's amazing. I, I mean, mean, you know, I don't mean to um, 
cast a, a shadow on oh, yeah. the male race, but <laughs> I do feel that we are the most emotionally intelligent of the two. So I potentially, think we are highly that, emotionally intelligent uh, makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. in that arena. Mm-hmm. Well, the young men who work in our office are just wonderful. They're so pleasant and friendly. We don't have the culture now that we did have 50 years ago where, you know, the boss would ping your bra strap and think that that was funny or pinch your bum and think that that was funny. Um, Can you uh, imagine? No, but the thing is we're all sitting here in our minds and we're picturing someone that we knew during that time of our lives in the workplace where that happened regularly. Oh, my God. Well, you'd tell them to go and get 50 wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm sure all of the people listening are going, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a very good point you've raised here. And, you know, people, I also think, too, that this generation of men coming through are more emotionally intelligent. They're more in touch mm. because I think that the whole kind of harsh patriarchy, this is what it means to be a man, is changing so much. The dialogue that they're getting from a younger age is changing. And I yes, think it, the- it- it definitely is. Yeah. And the young men in your office would be getting great guidance and mentoring from the women that they work with as well. From the trailblazers oh, yes. mm-hmm. such as yes. yourself. That's right. And it's fascinating working with them too because they are so smart, so tech-savvy and so open to learning and open to ideas. Yay. And our, our clients just love them because Good. they are so nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love nice people here at Duncan. We do. <laughs> there are faves. There are faves. Yeah. <laughs> but we do remain we do remain curious about others as well. We do. We yeah. do. We're both very curious yeah. about others. But our faves are the nice people. Yeah, true. There's no doubt about that. Okay, let's get back on topic. Yes, <laughs> on track. We do tend to get off track. Yeah, we do get off track a little so, bit, So, Pippa. Pippa, I'm sure you've seen many different scenarios. Would you think it fair to say that most divorces take place during or that, that most divorces that take place during our middle years are directly tied to potentially one or both partners experiencing midlife crises when potentially at that point a divorce may seem like a fix everything but it's um, it's hard to actually agree with that because every family is different and if I go back say to the 1980s the people who consulted me then had been unhappy for between five and ten years no one made an impulsive decision Mm -hmm. and in the last 10 years I had uh, a young woman tell me that she's left her husband because she told him if he bought one more video game, she would leave. (laughs) He did buy the game, so she left. And I thought, wow, that's the price of a marriage, a video Mm. game. But every marriage is different. I still don't see people who just wake up one day and say, I'm going to change my hair colour I'm going to start going to the gym and I'm going to divorce my yeah. husband or wife. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, it's a lot to go and blow up a marriage. So, mm. you know, obviously, there's a lot of work that counsellors and psychologists and whatnot can do, can do. But I guess by the time that they're actually coming to see you, all of that work should already be done. I should. What's interesting is over the last 20 years, I've noticed a lot of people consulting me 
before they separate and they perhaps haven't even talked about separation with their spouse, but they just want to know the consequences. And often if I'm consulted by a guy and they hear how much their wife's going to get and the prospects of having to pay spousal maintenance, they turn a different shade of red and they go, oh, uh, I might go and patch things up wow. and mm. because the, the, the price of a separation can be very high. Yes. And for women, we see a lot of women who've been separated under the one roof for months or even years. Mm. I'm dealing with a matter at the moment where the parties have actually been separated for 10 years. They've lived separately. They've continued to buy and sell property together. And now I think my client has realised that it is over and he's not coming back and so we're doing a property settlement. Yeah, and, okay. and like 10 years is a very long time to wait yeah. for someone to come back. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It's a bit sad. And the other thing that we're seeing, and, and I really hate this, it's, it's very hard for women in their 50s. It's a dangerous time for unhappy marriages yep. because they might not be thinking separation but their husband is. And sometimes they find out about a separation, not when they're having their breakfast cup of tea, but a solicitor's letter arrives or their husband hands them a letter. I've even had a situation where the husband put a solicitor's letter under the windscreen wiper of the car and the, um, the woman didn't find it for a day. It was a miracle that she did find it. But we've also had situations where the husband owns the home and without telling his wife he sold the home and someone turns up on the front door and says this is my home you have to get out and like she didn't even know that they were separated we're seeing well i i call it brutality i i I haven't seen that before the last 20 years people were a bit more civilized and it's just yeah. Hard to wrap your mind around oh that sort gosh. of thing. Those stories make me physically feel nauseous. Yeah, I, I know. wouldn't even imagine. So why do you think there has been this this trend of this sort of brutality? We have what's called no-fault divorce and we've had that since 1975. And I do notice people becoming more cruel to each other. Before 1975, conduct mattered and the guilty party would have to pay and generally they got less of the property settlement they often didn't get the kids but now we've got no fault divorce and people can do fairly terrible things to each other and there's no real consequence so a husband can walk out the door cash in his super and go sailing around the world and he's not actually committed any crime by leaving his wife destitute so It can be really tough. And one of the reasons it's tough for the 50-year-olds is that they've often been home the whole of their marriage, Mm -hmm. looking after the home, looking after the husband, looking after the kids, Mm. and not in the workforce. So they find themselves separated with no idea how to get a job and having no skills. Yeah, Yeah. and a lot of them have left the finances Mm -hmm. You know, up to their husband. Yeah, good Their point. husband's still learning super. Their super super stopped growing. Their super super <laughs> has stopped growing. So, mm. yeah, so many of those things 
take its toll. And I think that's another whole subject area that we would love to chat to you about in future and that is that position that women are left in, like that destitution, that level of debt, well, they become destitute. But I want to know with regards to that law, the no-fault divorce, so when you were saying the person that committed the crime used to have to pay, you know, like spouses. So when you say crime, like was it the crime of being the instigator? A marital crime. Yes. A marital crime. Um, Before 1975, things like adultery, you know, having sex outside the marriage, cruelty. Then there were the weird ones like bestiality, having sex with animals. But you'd still have Um, to prove all that, wouldn't you? Well, remember when we were speaking to the beautiful um, Janita Jacoby and she was, it was about her father's book and there was, she was telling us about the private investigators that used to work. Yeah. The 50s. Because in court, it had to be caught on film. Yes. Yes. So they and would do the bust-ins to the <laughs> affairs and, oh, my Straight God, imagine movies. all I'm seeing is the the animals and the oh, <laughs> too visual. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, there, there, there used to be a profession. Men would volunteer to be found in bed with wives. Women <gasps> would volunteer to be found in bed with husbands. And And the, the thing that was always interesting was that when the PI burst in, both parties would be wearing pajamas, sitting up in bed, and perhaps having breakfast on their laps. You know, there was yeah. they were never caught in the act, and no one was naked. But the judges would accept those photographs. Yes, clear evidence of adultery. Oh, wow! Wow! Oh man! Gosh, that is <laughs> the lengths people yeah, will go to. Yeah, but I guess if you're looking at you know how much you get in the settlement, if that's going to change the game mm. completely. Mm. But it's interesting how the the fact that that law has passed. Most of my clients think if they have been the good spouse, they should get more. Why should I be punished? Because my spouse has misbehaved and now we're separated. It's not my fault that I find myself in this position. There is unfortunately no add-on for good behaviour, no negatives for bad behaviour. But I have to say this, judges are human and when they hear stories of cruelty and deliberate mismanagement of money, um, deliberately hiding assets. They are human and it does influence their thinking. And where assets are being hidden, if someone can't prove that the assets are somewhere but they can show that they're gone, a judge will take that into account. Mm-hmm. But but not to the extent that the um, good party wants them to. No. And there's no physical punishment. There's no put them in the stocks and pelt them with tomatoes. It's a shame. <laughs> Bring back the stocks. Yes. <laughs> so people... Well, just think of all the rotten tomatoes we could oh usefully gosh. use. Oh, Absolutely. yes. Oh, yes. So, Pippa, if someone out there is considering going down this path, mm. like potentially thinking that they want to divorce, what should they do before they pull that pin? What, what do you think is kind of the first thing they do? I think it's a good idea to get some legal advice, but I, I generally ask clients in the first interview, are you sure that your marriage is over? Mm-hmm. And if people aren't sure that it's over, they really need to explore that. They need to talk to their spouse, go off to marriage guidance counselling. Yep. And a, a lot of people have gone that road before they come in to see me. Yeah, yeah. And I encourage people to do the right thing. 
and particularly where we're acting for people who've been married 30, 40, 50, even longer years, I, I say to them, in, in this time you've raised this number of kids, you've had a home, you've done these things, you want to be able to look back on this time with pride, not with shame and regret. Yeah. So why don't we look at doing this honourably and do it, do it efficiently, do it compassionately. And sometimes people ask me, you know, how am I going to tell my spouse that we're separating? And so I, I get them to go and see some counsellors and be coached through how to do that. Give them a script, um, get them to rehearse. And I explain to them too, if they humiliate or shame or harm their partner, they will pay for it because mm. the logical, sensible negotiations that might otherwise have taken place can't happen because that other person is so sad or angry or has their depressed. shackles up. Yep. They've yep. planted that F U C T. I mean, oh my God, that's that, that awful. That, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And they will be made to pay. I've been involved in a couple of matters recently where you would say that there's been matrimonial misconduct. And it's very hard for someone who's been wronged mm. to feel that they shouldn't get something extra yes. or to feel that they shouldn't turn the knife in the other person's bowels. Mm. Yeah. As they say, it's hell has no fury like a woman scorned. Is that the saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell has and, no. and men scorned feel it too. Oh, of my course. gosh, yeah, absolutely. Of and we, we want to you know Human. point that out. That, yeah. yeah, although at the moment we're talking a lot about women, I mean, most of our 50 ish tribe that listen to our podcast are women. So, but we realize yeah. that it actually works in the, in the other way. And the only other thing I want to talk about is, or ask you, sorry, quickly before we head back into those do's and don'ts, is can you just clarify for us as well? Because not all of our 50 ish tribe are actually married. But they mm-hmm. are in like long term de facto de facto relationships. Yeah. So, same so can sex. you just explain? Yeah, same sex. Can you just explain for us, Pippa? You know how those laws are the same or different, please? For a long time, the laws about families have been the same. So, married people, de facto couples, same sex couples are all treated in the same fashion uh, according to the Family Law Act. Great. We. We do see a lot of long-term de factos and long-term same-sex marriages where people have grown apart. Yes, and it's it's still a matter of following the the, the principles and sorting things out. Sure thing. So it, it it doesn't matter whether or not people are married. I think if you strike an older judge, there might be an unconscious bias okay. towards marriage. Yes, the patriarchy. And, um, well, I think it's it's the way that they were brought up. The Probably their parents were married. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, yes, it's it's true that unconscious bias would be there because of their own upbringing yeah, and that sort be. of traditionalist mindset of you do things a yeah. set way in a yeah. certain way. That makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that, Pippa. I just wanted to make sure that yeah, our fifties tribe were you know across that. But- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So just getting back to the do's now. So you talked about like potentially getting legal advice and then also going and seeking out some marriage counselling. Yeah, I think a good chat to a psychologist is always essential. Yeah, I agree. Even if you've made that decision and as Pippa said, getting some counselling to talk about how you're going to break that news to the other person. I think that Mm. like I could imagine myself being, you know, somewhat of a people pleaser or somewhat anxious at times. Yeah. To think that I had hurt someone would take a toll on me as well as them. So to know that you've done everything you could to get that right. I agree. Then I think for your mental health going forward, it's going to have benefits as well. And I think if you've had some coaching, then you're going to go into what is an incredibly difficult conversation, more prepared, aren't you, Pippa? And you're yeah. going to be able to articulate yeah. better because you've been prepared for yes. it. Well, let's hope we're articulating it and we're not slipping a note underneath a windscreen. Wiper. I know. That's <laughs> dreadful well, business. The, the other thing about the conversation about separation, mm. it, it shouldn't be we're separated, we're going to have to sell the house, I'm going to get 60%, the kids are going to live with me, you're going to pay me spousal maintenance and child support, and by the way, the police are coming to serve you with a domestic violence order. It would not be proper to dump everything at that first conversation. Yeah. Yep. And it generally, if one person's happy, the other person is happy. Generally, if one's unhappy, the other's unhappy. But it still does come as a terrible shock to some people. And I suggest to my clients that they do get coaching about a series of conversations. Yep. And, and I also suggest to them that they need to consider their safety because people can explode when they hear that they're about to be separated and there might never have been an incident of domestic violence before, but there can be explosions of domestic violence at at the time of separation. Mm. And so if people think that might happen, I say have a coffee Mm. at the coffee club on a Saturday morning in the middle of a crowded room Mm. and there's less likely to be an explosion if there is an explosion, there's plenty of people around to help. Yes. And just have that business-like but compassionate conversation. Okay. Yeah. And what follows from that can be the subject of other conversations and those other conversations might take place in the company of a skilled helper like a counsellor or a psychologist yeah. or a mediator. Mm, mm. Yeah, right. no, that's, that's excellent advice. Is there any anything else on like a or a must-do list? Yeah, Pippa, one thing that yeah. comes to my mind, Great. I had a girlfriend who was going through this scenario and it, she was coming from a place where no one in her circle had been through this, no one in her family had been through this. So, and, and also for women who may not be in charge of the finances, etc. What do women do 
like with that kind of financial realm, I know that this lady got some advice and she was like, well, you need to freeze the bank accounts because you don't want the other partner draining them or whatnot. So what what advice would you give there? If, if it's possible, I ask my clients to gather information. And if there's a filing cabinet at home, go through it, find out what's there, make a list, copy any bank statements, tax returns, um, if there's a property portfolio, make a list of what the properties are so that they can have, have a starting point about what's there. And I think it's also important that if older people feel shame or regret about leaving their partner, they need to deal with that because otherwise they can be too generous. If a lady in her 50s comes to me, I ask her how her husband's feeling about the separation and if they say, well, he asked for it and he's feeling guilty, I say, look, we need to settle quickly while he's feeling guilty. <laughs> Strike while the iron's hot. Settlement mode, but once he starts getting angry, it's going to take a different flavour. Yes, yeah, so, great mm, advice. You would see the whole roller coaster of emotions in that regard, wouldn't you? Oh, look, we, we, we do. And it's it, it's very hard for clients Um there's there's a hell of a lot of stress associated with the death of a spouse. But mm. I think a separation is worse yes. because there's no funeral, there's yeah. no sympathy, mm. um, the friends don't rally around, there's no casseroles left on the doorstep. Yeah, true. And it's almost more the, brutal than the grieving process. Oh, it's it's terrible. And then, then the, the ghost keeps walking around and making trouble. And if people talk to their friends about this, they find that their friends fall by the wayside because their yeah. friends are really not interested in someone else's trouble. Yeah. And it, it it's a really isolating time too. Mm. But for, for women in their 50s, they still feel a, a, a sense of shame. I must have done something wrong. Look, my marriage is broken down. All my friends are still married. What did I do wrong? There must mm. be something wrong with me. Do so. You- do you feel that women feel like that even when they are the party to end the marriage? They feel um, that sense of shame? Some of them do and most women who come in to see me, there are some tears in that first interview mm. because there, there is a lot of sadness associated with the separation yeah. and there's also the unease about what is the future going to hold because go back a year, I knew what was going to happen in my life. I was going to grow old with this person. The kids were going to bring the grandkids around. We'd have mm. Christmases together. Now I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where we're going to live. So there's there's a lot of emotions associated with the separation. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense too. So is there anything that you would add to that list of the do's to do? Well, I think one of, one of the things that I say to my clients is you have not lost your mind just because you're separated. If something made sense before you separated, it makes sense now. And don't let anyone tell you that you've lost your mind or you're doing the wrong thing. So I think people need to have that confidence in themselves. And I do think it's a time for professional help, um, maybe even getting a um, mental health plan from their doctor. And if they're depressed, take the medication that's prescribed. If they had a broken arm, They'd have it set by a doctor without any concern. 
if they've got a broken heart, they need the help for that as well. Yeah, it's so I think, true. I think people need to make a plan. It's not enough to just say, we're going to separate and then hope that everything's going to fall into place. They do need to make a plan and they need to have more than one plan. And you were talking about freezing bank accounts. I'm not sure that I would give that advice unless, for example, there's a bank account in his name with a million dollars in it. He's the only one that's got access to it. I would take some steps there and that might mean going to court and getting an injunction to stop the bank from operating that account other than with, say, two signatures. If there's money in the bank, there's nothing wrong with, for example, taking half. Half for you, half for me. I'm going to use this money to set up. You can use yours the way you think. And freezing a bank account may come as a shock to the other side. Particularly, Yeah, Mm. particularly if you don't know they're separated and suddenly they can't Mm. use their bank account. But I think that's a great, great point is just that you made before is just being aware of the bank accounts, of what's there, of yeah. what property's there. Yeah. So Gather that information. That starting point. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the points. Yeah. Makes sense. And I, I, I tell my clients too to take a step-by-step approach. I encourage them to do as much as they can to sort the thing out themselves. And I suggest that they start by talking to their spouse. That's when they generally have a laugh and say, oh, you don't know my spouse. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say, well, if, if that's not going to work, you can write and you can say, mm. you know, we're separated, we need to sort things out. And you know, I don't, don't recommend texting. I think texting is very bad for separated <laughs> couples. Um, yeah. But getting, getting the wise elder on board when people are, are younger and they've got kids, I say, involve the grannies. The grannies will be able to help you sort it out. So making the plan getting good advice, taking care of yourself, gathering the information. These are all smart things to do. Yeah, some great advice I had once from someone was with having that difficult conversation, if you felt like you had too much emotion to really articulate what you wanted to get out, was to actually, as you said, write the letter put it all in writing so it was clear and that you didn't go off track. But another good thing was to be with them when you gave them the letter and say, I want you to read this now, I won't interrupt you and we'll discuss it afterwards. Because if you send that letter, then you're waiting for the reply. Mm. That time frame can just torture. torture. I'd I'd be inclined, I think, to have the letter with me at the coffee club. Yes, exactly. Have a chat about separation And when you're leaving, hand over the letter and say, look, I've already said everything that's in this letter, but I want you to take this letter home and and have a think about what I've said there. So it's got a bit more clarity, yes. Yeah, and what's what's good as early as possible, you know how I was talking about a plan? Yes. Make a list of everything, the house, the investment property, the super, the cars, the bank accounts, the contents of the house, not listing every spoon, but looking at, at the big ticket Just items. Just the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and generally things suggest themselves. Yes, so yeah, absolutely. If mum, if mum has always driven this car, then she should keep it. Yes. If dad's always driven this car, he should keep it. If dad's always taken this boat fishing, he should keep it. Yeah. And it, just do this sort of pick for pick, I'll get this, you'll get that. I'd like to take that sideboard that came from my nana. 
I'd like to take the crystal that my mum gave me for the wedding presents. But, you know, let him take you his You can take Playboy the ugly vase yes. from Artie, whoever. <laughs> yes, yes, that stone eagle that we've all had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very specific, Pippa. A stone eagle. <laughs> Pippa, I also want to know about the things to avoid. Yeah. So the, the I must, think the thing is. The not negotiables. Yeah, but when in, when emotions are high, yeah. intelligence is low. <laughs> so we need to know what we absolutely must not do, and what you we have, need to avoid. You have mentioned that you don't dump everything in the first conversation. Well, that's just plain dumb because if, if someone wasn't expecting the separation, mm-hmm. then what happens in their brain when they hear, um, by the way, a marriage of 50 years is over yeah. and I'm moving out this afternoon, they just go into fight or flight mode yep. and they cannot hear, they cannot think, they can't make decisions. Yep. So it's good to be kind because it stops people from getting into fight or flight. Mm. And if the other person is obviously overwhelmed, then it's appropriate to say, look, I'm so sorry. I can see that you're devastated by this news. Maybe we need to leave it here for today. Let's just have a cup of tea and stare into space and we might meet next Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Give you some time to process and think. Yes. And, and, And the thing is too that... If you're on the receiving end of that discussion and you can't talk, you can't think, then there's nothing wrong with saying, I can't cope right now, I'm leaving, I'll talk to you when I'm calm. And I I think it's really important not to make decisions when you're in the grip of high emotion, whether it's sadness, whether it's anger, whether it's grief, whether it's you know, wondering whether you can stab that person in the eye with your ballpoint pen, it's not the time to make a decision. The other thing is that loose lips sink ships. So if you talk about your plan to leave before you talk about it with your spouse, they're going to hear it because we are a really gossipy society. And I hear stories of people announcing their separation on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram before they've actually told their spouse. Mm. And so the world knows before Mm. they do. And firstly, it's it's morally wrong. And secondly, the person being treated in that way will never get over it. And thirdly, the person carrying out the bad behaviour, they will they will lose in the end. Yes, good so point. So keep it to yourself. Now, the other thing is that in a lot of relationships that break down these children and the way that the kids are involved depends on the age of the children. Sometimes when the parents have been unhappy for a very long time, it's a matter of relief to the kids mm-hmm. when the parents are separating. And if if the children are young, then the parents should make a joint speech to the kids about the separation. And in particular, they've got to tell the kids, it's not your fault. Mum and Dad are going to work things out. We both love you. You'll still see both of us. And we'll keep talking to you and letting you know what's going on. If they're older children and they might have left home, they might have married and had children, they might even have grandchildren, then they still have to be informed. And it's still going to come as a shock to them And it's probably going to shake them because 
maybe they looked at their parents as role models and they may think to themselves, gee, if mum and dad are getting divorced, what's going to happen to us? Are we going to get divorced too? Because I I learned from them Mm. how to be a husband or a wife, how to be a mother or a father. So, you know, you have to have a conversation about how to tell the kids. Some people at the point of separation take revenge by telling the kids in the absence of the other person and by feeding the kids a fair amount of poison as they're doing it. And that's just not fair to the kids. But again, it it can set the tone for future negotiations. I think too that people need to avoid asking their friends to take sides. Their friends are not going to want to take sides. Their friends are going to be uncomfortable about being asked to take sides. Mm -hmm. And it's not good form to start stripping the house and putting it into storage or hiding it with friends, taking money out of the bank account and giving to your best friend for safekeeping. There's actually been cases where people have done that and the best friend says, oh, I thought that was a gift. I've spent that. Sorry, can't have it back. (laughs) Sorry, I thought they were my counselling fees for listening to you for all that time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, solicitors are not counsellors. But we can say to people when they tell us their plans, that sounds like a good plan or that sounds like a really bad plan, please don't do that. And generally at that first interview, I give the clients a step-by-step and say, if I were in your shoes, this is what I would be doing. And, you know, talk, write, negotiate, involve the wise elders, go to mediation and, and keep doing that. Because you will be able to get to a solution. I was in an all-day mediation yesterday and the mediator was very wise, someone of my vintage who's been at it a very long time. And he, he pointed out to both parties that if they go to court, between them they're going to spend between a hundred and maybe $300,000. So they need to have a think about are they going to settle today or are they going to go down that road what could they do with that money? Mm, and, yeah. and the time it, and the brain and space. The, the time, the stress. I mean, people who are in the grips of high emotions, it's very damaging for their health. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting, I sometimes see my clients a couple of years later and sometimes I do not recognise them because <laughs> I saw them when they were wrecks. Mm. And they were sad and sleep deprived, and mm. you know I see women having changed their hair colour. You see them on the other side, dressing well. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and, and pep in their step. And one of my jobs is to tell clients that what they're going through is normal, that their relationships are normal; they're not freaks, and that they will get through this. So I think solicitors have to be cheerleaders as well as advisors. Yeah. I think that's great. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So We will get you there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of the other don'ts is like don't ignore your solicitor's advice, absolutely. wouldn't it be? Well, you can, but mm. then you're going to come back and say to me, look, I didn't do what you said and this is what's happened. Can you get me out of this? So it's risky. And the end. And the answer is yes, I can, but gee, you've stuffed it up and it's going yeah. to cost you money. Great. And you know, it's like every area of our life, you know, even with our health, what, whatever we're focusing on, it's it's that team around us. Mm. You know, you yeah. need a team of people. You need your solicitor. You need, if you can, a, 
a psychologist or a counsellor or... You know. I like the idea and of a cheerleading solicitor. I think yes, that's, I like that. that's framed very nicely. Yes. Maybe it could be your and new positioning marketing statement. Yeah. Pippa Coleman, your cheerleader solicitor. <laughs> the, the other thing for people to understand is that all the way through, they need to be thinking settlement, settlement, settlement. So even if they start court proceedings, they need to be thinking about settlement all the way through. Even when they're at court, they need to be thinking about settlement because some people don't realise after a trial, the judge is not likely to hand down a decision on the spot. It may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years. And after that, if a party's unhappy and they say the judge got it wrong, they can appeal. So any good family law solicitor is going to say, settle, 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 Mm. and always talk settlement. And I like to talk too about the next step. So when I write to clients, I say, blah, 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 and then I finish with next steps. You're going to do this, we're going to do that. So people have always got a plan. And if they follow that plan, they're going to get there. Yeah, yeah, great advice. Yeah. Follow the plan. I'm a plan Follow maker. I love a plan, Pippa. Between and you and list, me, I love a list. A list. Tick that list off. I am a list maker. I'm a list writer. Yeah, most definitely. So I'm hearing you on that. Hoping that I will never have to oh, use it. Absolutely, yes. yes. Like in this context, that's right. I'm, yes. just, I'm just speaking but about great in advice. general, yes. in general, Pippa, I'm a plan maker. But what I'm wanting to know, is there anything else that you feel our 50ish tribe need to be aware of when dealing with divorce in midlife? Well, I think that they need to get information and if, if they go on the Family Court's website, there are a lot of helpful brochures. But once they've read those brochures, they do need to get some tailored advice. They do need to come mm. in and see a solicitor. And I think they need to understand too that the settlement that their best friend got yeah. Maybe nothing like the settlement that they got. Yeah, yeah and situation um, is different. The, the the stories told around barbecues or hens parties, no. they're they're not good stories to listen to. No. They really aren't. No, that's right. Especially at a hens party. I think that advice <laughs> you gave earlier would just kind of keep it to yourself. You know, talk oh, to yeah, your absolutely. team. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You would have your trusted closest friend, maybe a parent or something like that, but you wouldn't go beyond that, would you? I mean, you need to be talking about, for our own mental health, we, we need to well, talk to someone, the, don't we? Yes. And, and that's why we have counsellors and psychologists. I, I think talking to a parent could be dangerous because oh. a parent's always going to take your side. Yeah. Yes, yeah. honey. You, know, if you, you must someone- be right. He must be wrong. And their advice is not always helpful. Okay. And I, I encourage our clients, if, if they want to, to, to bring someone with them to the appointment. You know, a second set of ears to listen is a good thing. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, you miss a lot of information, don't you, when you're getting bombarded with all this new information in a yeah. new situation. Also, I think potentially things that you might have difficulty in saying that you could have entrusted with a close friend, you might feel you know, kind of a little bit, whether it be shame or hesitation to to say that out loud, the friend could help broach that subject as well if there's something else, just yeah. for that moral Yeah, it can. And I always make it clear to the helper, though, that I'm not giving them advice. Yeah, right. And yeah. that my client can talk for themselves because they can. Yeah, and I, I like to 
at, at that first interview, to finish off, I pick up my dictaphone and dictate a letter of advice to them so that they, they've heard the questions and answers all the way through, and then they hear it again, and then the letter turns up on their email in the next few days and yes. they can read it again. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to give them stuff to take away to read. And the other thing about having someone else there, it's potentially another set of ears and another mouth that can also go and spread it yeah. to other people and get that whole gossip chain going. I also emphasise to clients that my advice to them is confidential and I will keep their confidence, but they need to keep my confidence. So the letters that I send to them shouldn't be circulated amongst their yes. friends. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, that um, that certainly makes sense as well. I think, um, unfortunately, we are running out of time on this really, really interesting it is so and detailed interesting. and in-depth in conversation. You, the advice you mm. have given is just so wonderful yeah, and it's so really generous. clear. Yeah. It's very clear advice as well, which is amazing. So thank you so much. We do actually have a wrap-up question for you if you're ready. Yes. Okay. So if you were able to go back in time, what would the Pippa of today tell the 20-ish Pippa? What advice uh, would you give your younger self? I, I'd say hang in there. You will find what you like to do because going back to the 1970s, all solicitors were general practitioners. We talked to our clients about drink driving, about buying and selling businesses and properties, about wills and estates, and about family breakups, the whole gambit of law. What has happened in, in the time that I've been a lawyer is that after we've been general practitioners for a while, we specialise. And the interesting thing is that I never set out to be a family lawyer, but clients sought me out. And by the mid-1990s, I was doing nothing but court work and most of that court work was family law. Mm. So my my work comes to me by word of mouth. So people say, oh, Pippa Coleman was really good for me. She was nice. She was friendly. She talked in words I could understand. We got things sorted out and I'm back on track. And so it was it was my fans that, that made me a family lawyer. Oh, I love that, Pippa. Well, it's, it's good to have a fan base. Yeah, and I think that it's a, a very good reflection of being not only a very intelligent and very clever lady but also a very compassionate Absolutely, and yeah, and you're obviously person. working with your strengths. You're working in, yeah. in your area that, you know, energises you and, um, and, that's, yes. and we yes. love that. Yes, absolutely. Mm. I think that kindness is the greatest of the values and that people do need kindness when they're going through a family law separation. And that's not to say that I can't be firm with my advice or I can be strong in my presentation to the other side, but everyone needs to be treated with kindness and respect and that pays off. It, it sounds does. like the perfect combination, yeah. to be honest with you, yeah. in, in those circumstances. They are in very difficult. Yeah. No one wants to find themselves there. Like you said way earlier in our chat, Pippa, you don't wake up and say, okay, well, I'm getting my hair cut today, popping the car in for a service. Getting and a wax. Get, you're getting wax and <laughs> getting a divorce. You know, you know done under the windscreen, you know. <laughs> done. You don't do that. Ticked so, off the list today. <laughs> What's on for tomorrow? 
<laughs> Pippa, thank you so, so much for your time today. If you would like to know more about today's awesome guest, Pippa, we put links to her website in our show notes. Oh, thank you. Don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at Don't Give a 50 and email us at hello at don'tgiveafifty.com.au. And if you've got a moment, leave us or send in a review or suggestions of topics you would like to know more about. And remember our gorgeous 50-ishers, life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and ageing is an absolute privilege and just being awesome is our right. And also, remember, it's cool to be kind. It <laughs> certainly is. Hey, Pippa, thank you so, so much. You've been awesome. Oh, that was excellent. Thank you, Pippa. Thank so you. So appreciate it. That stone eagle that we've all <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.